Welcome to the first ever podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Baum. Today, I'm talking to Kayla Phillips. She's the founder and owner of Foxy Cosmetics, which has been going strong since 2015. She's also a musician, writer, and advocate for me getting a Twitch channel as I uh, ask her to sell me on it since she's all about it and I'm an old man who has uh, not, a, not a big understanding of it. So we get into that towards the end of the conversation. Um, I've known Kayla for a while and uh, I've been looking forward to having her on since she's an independent business owner as well as an artist. I was hoping to get some insight into getting a brand off the ground because from the outside looking in, I can tell it's a big undertaking and requires a lot of patience and dedication. Uh, the insight was definitely provided and I love this conversation and I hope you do too. This is the first ever podcast and this is my conversation with Kayla Phillips. Kayla, thank you so much for uh, for hanging out with me today. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. It's uh, it's a, it's a nice day here in LA. What's what's the weather like? You're Nash. You're in Nashville currently, right? Yeah, currently. Although I wish I was in LA. Um, today is actually pretty sunny, but it's been like in the 30s and snowing. It's funny when I think about southern states i foolishly never really think about the snow there i I think i always just kind of Mm -hmm. attach the idea of snow to the east coast and the midwest but um does nashville get it pretty bad not bad it doesn't like shut the place down or anything like that no no foots of snow but um it's bad enough for southerners just like any sort of ice we can't (laughs) drive over it (laughs) like maybe there's ice You've spent kind of a, a a good amount of time probably here in California. I can't even imagine if there was snow here. There would, it, I mean, it would eliminate uh, half the drivers immediately because no one here can even drive in the rain. So yeah, exactly. The rain alone. When it rained, I think a few weeks ago, um, just everyone online was like, "It's raining! It's raining!" <laughs> Watching everyone freak out over rain really puts stuff into perspective for me. Honestly, oh God. Yeah, we're so soft here. We don't know what we're doing. Well, if it's not if it's not a hundred degrees, uh, it's it's just collision central. Even if it's a hundred degrees, it's actually collision central here. So um, it's it's rough. Uh, you were born in Austin, though, right? I was. Are you from yes. Are you from Austin originally? Mm-hmm, I sure am. Uh, born and raised Texas made, as they say. Nice. When uh when did you make the move to Nashville? I've been here for like nine years now. Oh wow. Yeah, I've been here for a long time. So I can kind of say, I guess, like I'm a Tennessean. I guess I can claim it. But I actually <laughs> never have. I never realized how quick time went by. Yeah, it's it's weird how that works. I, you know, there's, uh, with having you on, there's there's multiple things that we can get into because you're, you're uh you're a renaissance person as as I think I made a comment to you before because yeah it's like you you've done music, <laughs> you've written, you have uh you have Foxy Cosmetics. So it's like we can kind of dip our toe into to multiple of these things. But on the on the Foxy site, it mentions that you uh you know you you found veganism at at 14. I'm curious though, mm-hmm. was your connection to veganism, did you learn about that through music? I did. It was through okay. like hardcore and punk. Yeah. Okay. hundred percent. Even when it came to like <clears throat> I guess when I was 14 I, I claimed vegan straight edge is what happened. And mm-hmm. um as a 14 year old, like the PETA videos at the time did get to me. So it just kind of all blended together perfectly for me to become 
vegan at the time. And I just never really looked back. Sure. Um, well, yeah, th- I mean, that's a that's a good uh, frame for for me to kind of start somewhere. So I guess I'll ask, uh, do you remember as a young person what your first connection to music was? Like, did you find punk and hardcore like relatively early or just even as a young person, what kind of music did you like? I did find it really early. Um, I, I remember when I kind of found it just because I, I love music so much. It's such mm-hmm. a huge factor in my life. I found like hardcore specifically and like extreme music when I was in the first grade. Wow. <laughs> I found it in the first grade from from growing up in Austin because in Austin, the radio stations back then at least were just so diverse and jam-packed with people like us getting to be on the radio and and do cool stuff like at night even. I, I got really lucky in being able to just hear a lot of different types of music super, super early. And I I, I want to say like one of the first bands that I ever got into was like Blink-182. Um, mm-hmm. I can remember like being a little girl at daycare and hearing it pop up on the radio, all the small <laughs> things, and like being around all the other kids and like kind of being like, do you guys hear this? You hear how cool this is? Work sucks. Like, yeah, I know what that means because daycare sucks and this is work. Like, And it just, it just worked for me. I don't know what necessarily grabbed me when it, when it comes to like punk and stuff like that, but it just did. It just did. Any sort of music, honestly, just, I, 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 it grabs my ear. Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm actually curious when you were talking about the radio stations that actually played different, different kinds of, uh, of music and everything like that did, were they like college stations in Austin or are they like the main station that would actually end up playing like heavier stuff? The main stations. When, wow. As I got older, it was college stations. Like even people that I'm still friends with now, um, that like shaped my 15 year old music mind that did college radio, but Actually, like 101X back in the day in Austin, they would have like metal on Friday nights and just the actual daily radio itself was more than just your typical like radio rock. They yeah. had um, like emo, like senses fail. They would have, you know, like actual screamo type stuff playing, which I felt um, was different. I didn't think sure. that every radio station necessarily had that growing up, but it, it, it was cool. I don't know if yeah, they still no. have it like that down there, but they did what, growing up. I mean, Austin, it's, you know, it's no secret that Austin has kind of, kind of, kind of has a lot of uh, a flex on a lot of other cities and states with, with it being known as such a, a music community with obviously South by Southwest and every other, you know, major weekly festivals that, that can go down there because right. you know there's so many venues and there's yeah it's 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 such a magical place for that um but yeah i mean growing up in la there's limited radio stations and i mean our our main rock station being k-rock is just so embarrassing i mean it's like that that's such a shocker to me <sighs> growing it up sucks. i thought it was the opposite yeah no it's uh it's always you know what i mean in the 90s it was fine because it was you know pretty much just the same probably 12 songs being played being like you know whether it's nirvana green day the offspring etc uh but then you know these days it's it's just it's all pop music and then it's pop music mixed in with like 
okay, now we're going to throw you a Foo Fighters song. It's just, it's like, fine. Mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's, it's a weird thing. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm certainly jealous of your ability to be able to be a young person and turn on the radio and like discover something new that that feels like a special situation in general. It felt like it at the time. And even thinking about it now, <clears throat> it feels like that even more so because um, think about like podcasting and, and how important radio was to me, mixtapes and getting to request songs on the radio and then recording them onto a little mixtape. Mm-hmm. Like that was a huge part of my life. I've won all my Warped Tour tickets on the radio and got to go to oh, Warped wow. Tour every year because of that yeah. same radio station. And I never really thought about just how important radio actually is. And I think, I wonder like if podcasting will ever hold any sort of same type of importance. You know, I feel like these days it's probably just playlists, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, with Spotify just generating playlists or following a playlist of, you know, whether it's, you know, somewhat uh, a notable tastemaker, whatever you want to call them, you know, uh, who, yeah. who makes them. I mean, and, and, you know, bless them for doing that. It's, it's nice to be able to, you know, it's I feel like as a young person, when everything is kind of new and exciting, uh, you kind of look to other people, older or just quote unquote cool people to kind of show you the way. So, you know, we all sort of live our lives via social media at this point. So I guess if you're mm-hmm. someone who finds someone that's cool, you're going to just trust their taste and want to check out whatever they're listening to, you know. Um, so I guess that's kind of the new version of a of a radio DJ that you never know what their face looks like, and that it's it's always funny when you're when you're young and you do see what the the uh, fi- you finally discover a photo Nothing of what, the, of what you thought, right? Yeah, it's so Nothing. funny. It's so like funny. not even a little. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember here here in, uh, in LA with that station K Rock. They would they would do like the station was actually in the city that I, that I grew up in, in Burbank. And, and, um, there would be like, I think they would do like calendars or something like that. And you would just see what the, <laughs> what the DJs look like. And you're like, wow, not everyone kind of looks like a substitute teacher. Interesting. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I used to like, <clears throat> I used to get crushes on the radio DJs based off right. of what they would play and how I thought they sounded. <laughs> 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 they never <clears throat> in high school. I got to like go on the radio and promote some sort of um, benefit show that I was putting on at the time. My teacher, I had a teacher that let me use her class time to do that. We would go off campus. (laughs) I'm going to say this because it's been a decade. We would go off campus and put up flyers at other schools for shows that we were throwing on for benefit shows. And that's how we would just spend like the last period of the day. You mentioned uh, flyering and, 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 you know, putting on shows and stuff. Uh, I'm curious, were you playing in bands uh, in high school or were you just putting on shows? What, what's the story there? I was doing both. I was playing bands. I started my first band when I was 12 in middle oh school. Oh, my God. <clears throat> yeah, I wanted to start a band. And um, so all my friends, you know, they had guitars. They had they had the good vocals to sing. I didn't have anything. And it just kind of left me with like, hmm, I guess I'll play the drums. I didn't know necessarily if I could play them or not, but mm-hmm. I just wanted to start a, a band. Like who cares? Yeah. 
Um, so <laughs> we tried to like, I, I formed my first like girl band kind of thing. Thought it was so cool, little little 12 year old. And I discovered that I did know how to play the drums. I could just play stuff back really easily. I'm really good oh. at mimicking, just mimicking any sort of thing. <clears throat> so I would just play the play songs back and started getting heavy into playing like Lamb of God. My first like leeways into drumming were Lamb of God, System of a Down, um, <laughs> Green Day even, like simple <laughs> stuff, fast stuff. Right. Just any sort of thing that I could try to try to that I that I wanted to play. The starting line even was a big thing. Me and my friends, we would um start cover bands and we started like a starting line cover band and a glass jaw cover band. Those were wow. the most significant cover bands for me in life. They yeah. did the most for me. Um I was the drummer for the starting line one and the vocalist for the glass jaw one. Is there any sort of footage of the glass jaw cover band? Because I so desperately want to <laughs> see is, that. There is, there is. Oh my god. There really is. I I I've always loved Glass Jaw. That is definitely my favorite band. Oh, that's awesome. They're they certainly are are would would make my definitely would make my top ten. They they changed kind of I'm sure you're in the same boat. Like I liked metal and I liked punk, uh, you know, but when that first record came out, it sort of just was everything. It was the culmination of everything that I didn't know that exactly. I liked about exactly. aggressive music. I yeah. became obsessed with that album and like writing the lyrics down in all my journals and <laughs> carrying it around with me, which is like the worst lyrics for a little girl to have written down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I needed to know them, you know, like I needed to sure. just always know, know all the lyrics and be able to say them at any time and sing along. And that yeah. band definitely shaped so much. <clears throat> all I wanted to do was be him and have that same sort of stage presence and finding out that like he has uh Crohn's disease which I also mm -hmm. have and then oh, I wow, knew okay. like Kurt Cobain had it at the yeah. time like as a little girl just it's it spoke to me a lot so I'm actually curious what was the first show that you ever played then do you remember what it was like a talent show what was it oh my gosh let me dig deep <laughs> I definitely did a lot of talent shows <clears throat> a lot of battle of the bands even there mm -hmm. were some on YouTube and I have to see if they're still up because uh they're embarrassing, but <laughs> they're so good because maybe you don't want to like vocalize or dance in the courtyard. <laughs> I know, I know. I actually hold on. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, but no, uh, no, no they're, they're totally not on YouTube. They're totally they're not, not on, on YouTube. YouTube anymore at <laughs> yeah. all. Um, yeah, it, our schools facilitated a lot of like shows for us when it comes to like battle the bands. I got super super lucky. Um, vocalizing it is really making me realize how how fun it was to have music be so centered in in school mm -hmm. um and getting to do that because at home i didn't really get to play too many instruments i i wanted a drum set and my mom got me one and took it away <laughs> she was like no it's you know, so like, loud it's too loud <laughs> yeah uh -huh. i'm the oldest of six so it just it wasn't oh my goodness it was not happening yeah six girls wow so so a drum set was not in the cards. But my first show that I played, it, I think it might have been a middle school talent show. I think it might have been a middle school talent show. And I think that um, I played a system of a down cover, if I remember correctly. 
Nice. <laughs> I think it was. I think it was toxicity. Oh, that's awesome. And then, so I'm curious. One, uh, you because those were obviously cover bands that you were in. Um, mm-hmm. What was the first like your band uh, where you're writing your own lyrics and things like that? Um, it tried to be the one when I was 12. We tried to write our own songs, but uh, it it just it didn't work out because we were 12 and didn't know what we were doing. Yeah, it's like <laughs> what, what, what? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, but um, I started a band in in high school. I started a bunch of bands in high school. But my freshman year, that's when I started my first, like, own band. And some of them, like, I just can't even say. I'm beyond, like, embarrassed to even say what they are, like, Or, like, what their names were. Yeah, Yeah, like, what the names were. Yeah, the names just will never be said. Well, (laughs) it's funny. That's... That's been a fun, a fun thing on this podcast is like every, you know, so many people just were like, all right. So my first band was called blah, blah. And they're all, uh, they're always the most extreme names or like, just yes, rid- <laughs> yes. it's going to be extreme, ridiculous, disgusting. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, uh, trying to be I, edgy. I, yeah. In junior high, I would just laugh because my band was called victim of atrocity. It's like, I'm in junior high. <laughs> like what, like what atrocity could I have possibly been exposed to it's like the most aggressive name but yeah and math homework it, yeah exactly yeah so well then i'm curious what what do you remember what your first experience recording was do you remember like the first time like actually maybe going to a recording studio or and what that was like for you well my first time going to a recording studio was like mid bleed the pigs bleed the pigs had okay. never done studio work we always did it like in a garage in a closet just wherever you could like record four track, eight track recording. Yeah. Yeah. Just recording track by track. Um, but in the middle of that, there was uh, a guy in Nashville is like recording central. Like that's where people, people come here to record music, not necessarily mm-hmm. to play it live, but to record. And uh, this kid was going uh, to school for recording for music production. And he asked us if he could record us. So we re tracked some of our songs, some of our old ones that I ended up not liking how they sounded because the DIY aspect of it and the shittiness of it just sounded so much better to me. Mm-hmm. But we recorded um, some Nirvana covers that sounded really good. Oh, yeah. So that's yeah. honestly the only thing I've ever really recorded in an actual studio. What was your takeaway from that? Like, um, because you're so used to DIY, you know, punk recording. And I know what you're saying. It's like, I couldn't imagine, you know, like uh, a really polished, you know, Charles Bronson song, you know, like where you'd be yeah. like, this, it just, it wouldn't sound right, you know, to hear a right, band like exactly. that. But what, but what was that like for you? Did it, did it, was it like a hard uh, adjustment to doing something like that? Or was it, uh, yeah, just would you, what do you remember from it? Yeah, honestly, it was, a, it was like a wake up call because, um, it made me realize like I had to scream differently. I had to do mm. things differently so I could sound how I I thought it I sounded the whole time. Like suddenly I can hear myself so crisp and clear and suddenly mm-hmm. I'm realizing like I rely on the shittiness of the mic to add distortion on my vocals that you can't mm. add in production really cuz it just doesn't sound right and realizing um, like, oh, I don't really like too much reverb on my vocals and just all sort of like really professional things that I pay attention to when I listen to music 
that I didn't actually like want applied to the music that I was making. Got it. Simply because like I just wanted it to be so so gritty, but the the actual process of it was amazing. When they were doing the covers, I was like kind of sitting back and like having to orchestrate them because um none of us were used to it. None of us were used to such a big space and like not being close together and not um like being able to track the way that we were used to. And so I was like having to help them figure out the songs and it was just a really, really cool experience. I, I hope that I can like dive and and record music like that again someday, because, um, I think that there's like beauty and, and, and having like, like, okay. Like on Spotify, when a whole new album comes out and it's like the new remastered version Mm -hmm. and it just doesn't really hit right. Mm. that's how I yeah. just felt the whole way through. It's interesting how, you know, I know what you're talking about. And it like, uh, it's often co- like if we're doing a new record or something like that, and then, you know, we do, we try to be prepared. So we'll do, you know, demos of the songs we're going to bring into the studio. And uh, there's the term demo-itis where like you get so used mm. to what the demos sound like that now you're going in the studio and, you know, like we we demoed for every song off our newest record and then we sent them to Ross and Ross told us later, he's like, oh, I listened to them one time. He was like, I just, you know, I, I wanted to hear what they were going to sound like, but like, I, I don't want to get used to it because then I'm yeah. going to start questioning the, the choices we're going to make in here. And he even, you know, everyone kind of warned, you know, management, even you know, everyone was kind of like, don't get used to these songs like they're gonna change. And it's hard not to sometimes, you know, like you sort of start to fall in love and convince yourself that, oh, this is the way it's supposed to be. Right. Uh, and and sometimes you're, and oftentimes you're right. Oftentimes maybe you shouldn't change it. But then, you know, you it sometimes can be a tricky business if you don't uh, allow any sort of outside opinion. So I can go either way on it. It's just it's an interesting thought. And I and I, I know what you're saying um, for sure. It's uh, yeah, it's something I still struggle I, with. That's for sure. I'm struggling with that literally right now. A song that I was writing um this morning, I I was recording it and like, um, it was an ambient song. So I was recording it and like going through my pedals with it one way, but I couldn't um I couldn't like get it to sound right on my computer, and I had another option that I could do, but it would change up everything. I would have to use different pedals. I would have to, it would just be a a completely different vibe of the song. And I'm just like struggling trying to figure out how I can get it to work this one way because I've already fell in love with it. There's no other way for it to sound to me. Right. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, so is that, I'm going to, I'm assuming, is that for the, the pulsatile tinnitus? Yeah. Yeah. When did that project start for you? Cause that, is that safe to say it's a solo project? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, it started in 2014 right around bleed the pigs around the same mm-hmm. time um i would always mix like noise type stuff in bleed the pigs but i never felt wholly like i could just you know take over it with noise and shit and just disregard what everyone else has to say so i i started my own project and honestly kind of being um ignorant to a lot of a lot of like noise a lot of artists i never really dove in into it to say like, oh, I have an influencer who's helping me 
figure out what the sound that I even want. It was just pure kind of like love for sound and performance and expression. And that's what it still kind of is. It's, um, it, I think I just like to score. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with like not having necessarily an influence of anything that sort of makes the entire project pure because you're just going off how you feel about it. You know, you're not trying to necessarily even accidentally mimic a sound, you know, you're like, oh, I'm just making what I think sounds cool. And if yeah, you're going to call I'm it noise music, how uh, how often do you work on that? Is that like a, you just kind of wake up and you're you're in the mood to make something and, and you go for it or because have you done any like LP, like full records with that or is it? Like band, like small band camp single releases and things like that. Yeah, I've done like a split with uh, Many Blessings, Ethan of Primitive Man, his noise project. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, right, we right. did a split together. Um, and I've done like just various types of stuff like that. And I've had people use my stuff for their film, but I, I've never sat down and wanted to create an LP simply because I have imposter syndrome so badly with a lot of my work. And I always feel um, like nobody wants to listen to my stuff. So I, I have all these like songs that I create all the time that I just kind of leave to myself and release whenever I feel comfortable or just perform one time when shows are still around, just like perform the one time and just like let it be and like forget about that feeling and go. Because a lot of the stuff is based off of Truly just like how I'm feeling. I express myself so heavily through it. Well, let me let me just add that I've, I've I'll, I'll put this on my tombstone that I don't trust a single artist that doesn't feel they have imposter syndrome. So let's let's talk about uh, let's talk about Foxy because that's, you know, a completely incredible thing that you've been able to pull off. I'm actually curious uh what the motivation really was and what your first experience is getting products made was because that feels like um maybe to someone who wants to start a business the hardest part to figure out yeah that's the number one question i'm asked all the time yeah. when it comes to people wanting to even start a business they're just like where do i where do i go and um i started it when i was 23 23 years old, also because of music, <laughs> because I wanted, I was making coffee. I had been a barista for like seven years at that point, six or seven years. And just working for other people isn't like, wasn't working for me. Um, just a typical artist, you know, got to work for yourself, got to set your own time, got to do all these sort of things. And um, in the South, like things just kind of got um, unfortunately, like I just felt like as a as a black woman that I wasn't gonna go anywhere working for someone else. And so I just had to figure out how do I start my own business and how do I still be able still like create art, tour, set my own schedule. And um I came up with Foxy because I just wanted to make something still. So I made bath bombs because I have chronic pains and I wanted to help. And I knew how to just be fun and colorful with bath products, you know, like um, I would think I was in the bath when I came up with it. I think I was literally mm -hmm. in the bath, like in some <laughs> glitter or something. And was like, let me make this so much better. Let me figure out how to make this so much better. And I just created three products and posted them. And it skyrocketed. It skyrocketed. And I dove into 
soaps and skincare and hair care from just doing tons and tons and tons of research. I still research all day, every day. It's like never ending. It's like tech. You, you, there, it never stops morphing. I'm curious when you say like, you know, so you made bath bombs. This is me just being so ignorant to the whole situation. Now, are you saying that like you, you were like, all right, what's the chemical compound to make this work? Yes. And you figured it out? Wow. Yes. Damn. Is it easier than we all expect? <laughs> Anyone can make like a very simple, like basic chemical reaction bath bomb, like baking soda and water, citric acid reaction, and it'll fizzle away. Um, but to wow. like come up with, I have like my own sort of recipe and way that I do mine and different types of oils and like bonding agents and various ingredients. That's, that's, you know, like what sets your, your stuff apart from someone else's and mm -hmm. Um, so that's what I just like spent a bunch of time trying to do and figure out how is this going to take away aches and pains from people, have the fun, colorful aspect, the scent aspect, and then not harm anybody. It's, sure. it's, you know, like there's so much like science that goes into it and then art. It's just science and art. And it's the most fun that I could have like come up with. That's amazing, though. I mean, and so you made those first bath bombs. And once you made those and you realized that, like, they work, I'm sure that was an exciting, an exciting realization that first time. Uh, were you so were you quickly to be like, all right, it's going to be called this and I have to build a Web page and mm -hmm. kind of get this off the ground? Or did uh, did even maybe your imposter syndrome set up sit up there and be like, are, you know, are, are you prepared to do something like this? Like can you run a business like this or yeah what uh, do you remember what that felt like that first time or when you were first kind of getting yeah. it off the ground <laughs> at the start i didn't have imposter syndrome it didn't exist for me yet i was still young and hopeful angry <laughs> but young and hopeful yeah <laughs> so yeah I yeah didn't, i didn't have it yet i was the, the world was exciting go getter yeah, yeah the world was exciting <laughs> and nothing hurt like yeah it was good I was just ready to create and yeah. I think that's a part of the imposter syndrome is like what you what you had at one point that you necessarily may not have anymore cuz I I it's hard to find that same drive that I had when I was 23 of course to like create mm -hmm. thousands of units in a day and just like act like it was nothing and go on and not sleep um but at the time, you know, like I was living for it. It was therapy for me, it's therapeutic to just get lost in a product and create it from top to bottom. Yeah. And and I'm actually yeah. curious. So like you, have you continued to do everything yourself? Like is, uh, yeah. did you, did you ever have, has the line or the brand been picked up by any big uh, retailers or do you keep it all totally DIY just through your own store? I've bounced it back and forth between other retailers holding my stuff and then just me holding it. Um, I I think I'm just, I don't know. It's my baby. So it, like, it's hard to let other people touch it when I was younger. Mm -hmm. um, but as I've grown older, I think I've completely let go of like wanting to hoard it and like keep right. it for myself and do it all myself. I think I'm definitely at the point where I can let other people in. It's like, it's like writing music. It's all kind of just the same in terms of um, you have like your baby that you work from start to finish and letting someone else in on it could change up the whole thing. And you're not sure if you want to do that. 
does uh it, it's funny like because i you know it seems from just throughout the years knowing you and and seeing the site and everything like that uh you do like limited things and then it they they sell out seemingly pretty quick uh it's mm-hmm. funny it almost feels like you because you come from you know hyper abrasive diy crusty punk kind of kind of background that it almost has like it's like the youth attack version of of cosmetics where you do <laughs> you know like drops and then it sells drop. out e- yeah and then it sells out immediately and and uh it's kind of cool that it works that way you know little like, merch drops yeah yeah uh, it does kind of feel like that i'm sure that has influenced you in some capacity whether whether uh maybe you you realized it or not you no know? it does because i i even like make stuff for bands or like themed after a band or a song and then yeah. i just kind of like drop it and that's it guys like <laughs> limited quantity and yeah pressing <laughs> bath bomb pressing out of 100 is all you can get has there been uh any specific products that you've done that um have always kind of stayed around like it sounds like the bath bombs would would be one of them but has there been any other products that you made that felt like they were just home runs and kind of became staples yeah even the um like one of the first ones that i had created that's still the most popular one today the jellyfish one that i made um that's like the most healing bath bomb of them all that's still just like the best one that everyone loves to this day um was there a moment when when you felt when like the business hit a pinnacle where it was like something happened and now all of a sudden like there was a bunch of attention on you? I know you've been covered by like Vogue and things like and and press outlets like that. Um, was it those situations or was there a specific product that uh, that you had made that just all of a sudden got an outsider opinion? It wasn't just punks buying your stuff anymore. <laughs> yes. Courtney Love. Oh, whoa. Courtney Love bought my stuff and 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 wanted to invest in Foxy. No at way. At one point. Yes. She I named like a bunch of stuff after Hole and after Nirvana. Mm-hmm. Um, like shower gels and and perfumes and stuff like that. Um, lotions. And she reached out to me and asked for some and said she wanted to invest and she posted about it on her Instagram. And that was like, the, I think the biggest outsider opinion because it did bring in a bunch of just like people from all over that would have never known. Yeah. Vogue is like one thing, you know, Vogue is is the beauty industry. A lot of those people were gonna see me regardless because of other beauty outlets or because of tags or something like that. But um I think doing that and then like doing a pop-up in New York during fashion week, that was like, like, okay, I'm actually doing something with something that was so small that just started from one tiny idea in my bath. And I created all of this by my hand and put on all the labels for it, put every single thing in a jar, in a bottle, all myself and watching people like actually walk away with my products as opposed to normally being online and doing the pop-up and and getting to see people smell my stuff. I think that was just like the hype for me. Oh, I, it it so just cool. like couldn't get any better than actually seeing people see and touch my stuff firsthand. Because I, I, you know, I never get to see that. I just ship them their product and they post about it online and that's one thing, but 
getting to actually see people enjoy something that I created, it's just a very rewarding feeling. Oh, yeah, I bet. Um, you might have just answered it, but uh, I was curious. Yeah, I was curious, like what the first the first time you felt like you were actually doing the thing that you'd been working so hard towards was would it have been that moment no because i'll never i'll i don't think i'll ever feel i don't think i'll ever feel just quite there i always will have some sort of fire under my butt to just something can be better something can be improved you can always do better yeah i get that you know there's uh you know that's 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 a conversation that's that's certainly um comes up here with, with like, you know, like the goalpost always seems to be pushed back as soon as you think you've hit that point where you're like, well, I could always do something more or like, you know, that, that kind of a feeling. So I get that completely, but, uh, you know, from an, from an outsider, who's just been enjoying this conversation, I can, I can, I can surely tell you that you've certainly done a lot and it seems, uh, incredible so far. Uh, I'm, I'm just so stoked for you. So we have a little bit left. We could, uh, and I and I told you beforehand when we were texting that uh, I want to get into to Twitch a bit because uh, yes. you go on. T- you're a, you're a Twitch person. Do they call them Twitchers? What do we? Is there a word? I for think we t- do call them Twitchers because I've said okay. I've said Twitchers. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, is that is that a a a a, 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 a bad word to call somebody or that uh, that, <laughs> that 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 goes on Twitch? Like, is that a is, you know? It's like is that saying vinyls to someone who collects records? Um, but, uh, but no, I'm, yeah, like, sell me on it, you know, like, uh, what, what, uh, okay, yeah, sell me on it because I, you know, I, D, I, we did, Touche did a live stream and I DJed at the end of it and I had a really good time doing it, doing like QA while I was putting on records. I've had people say you should just do that on Twitch, which like seems kind of fun, like just playing records and talking, but, but like, okay, so, so, so. Talk to me about Twitch. Just, just you got me so giddy it. with you just even saying that because <sighs> podcasters, I'm gonna have to try to convince him right now to do that for us. <laughs> because, okay, like honestly, think about it as this: the way that I set up my stream is I'm a late night infomercial or not infomercial, like late night cable access TV channel. Okay. I'm doing whatever the heck I want on there. Yeah. Um, People flip by, they stop, I entertain. That's what you would be able to do. You would literally be able to do anything that you want on your stream. You can um, you can showcase your records. Like I've been doing like a, a thing where I just grab like a stack of records and then just go through it and talk about the bundle that I grabbed for the day. And they love that. They love hearing me talk about it. And I feel like I don't even know what the hell I'm ever saying. So imagine <laughs> if you were to do it. With your gigantic selection, you know, people would really enjoy that. Um, You can set up your own, like it's, it's entirely your own show. It's your own production. So if you miss getting to interact with people in terms of like talking on stage, even, you know, like Mm -hmm. just that tiny bit of interaction, I totally get the same serotonin release when I stream as like doing that, as like being an entertainer and and being in my realm right you also like play games on like you play video games on there and you like watch movies on there and things yeah. like that what are, I do, what are I your do the most <laughs> and do you have like a schedule right you're just like yo i'm going live right now yeah i just go live i'll go live at like 2 30 in the morning if i'm just like if i can't sleep and people will show up 
People yeah. will show up to watch Twilight Zone or watch me speedrun Solitaire <laughs> or um, sometimes I'll like play a game and watch a movie at the same time. We watched Napoleon Dynamite while I played Solitaire. Very like actual like welcome to my twisted mind kind of like yeah, vibe. Yeah, yeah. It's just like chaotic. I have ADHD. We're here vibing, but it's soothing. Um, right. And, and so you can do anything that you want with it. You genuinely can have it look exactly how you want it. And it, it gets fun to customize and kind of get sucked into your own, um, like creating a MySpace, you know, like mm. welcome to my page. Right. Okay. I'm going to take baby steps towards it. We'll, uh, I'll keep you updated on my journey. Uh, but also I wanted to get, just before we go, uh, I know you're a big horror person. Give me your like. Give me your like. I know it's always hard to give me a top like five, but if you're able to give me like a top a a, a, a top five of like horror movies that are staples for you that you always come back to and can always enjoy. Staple horror. Um, off the top of my head, well, I always gravitate towards anything Twilight Zone. Um. Mm. That's my favorite show okay. of all time. And yeah. I I I don't know if it can classify as horror, but I think that it can. I think that it's a, its own little type of like um suspenseful horror. Yeah. And certainly some episodes were were a little more horror than others. Yeah. Um, gosh, let me think. Carrie. Sure. Halloween is up there. Yeah. Although it's funny, I hadn't watched the original Halloween in a while. Um and when I rewatched it, I think it was like last year or the year before. It had been it'd been a long time. I totally forget that Michael Myers drives in the first one, which is really fucking funny <laughs> yeah, to me. Just, he's just driving around like being an asshole. It just takes me out of the movie a little bit. Because we have this, you know, very like Jason Voorhees sort of feel about him where he's just this like, you know, lumbering. He yeah, he walks and he just shows up in your closet or you know, whatever. But the fact that he's driving, it's like, <laughs> where did he learn how to drive? He's been in, yeah. <laughs> he's been yeah. gone for his whole life. And does he does he obey the rules of the of the road? Does he is he, he did, turning actually. his blinker I on? It, I saw it in theaters for Halloween. Yeah, um, I saw it like a little small showing because I just think it's so it's so much better on full screen. And I did oh, think yeah. that, and I noticed it. I was like, why why is he driving? Because it does take you out, like. <laughs> He's just in this car, like, okay, Mike. It, All right, now Mike. You're right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When he's behind the wheel, he's Mike. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay, so you have Halloween, you have Carrie. Um, yeah, oh, th- there's this movie, May. Um, May? I don't know if you've... Yeah, no, May. No. It came out in, <clears throat> I think, 2006 or seven. One of Is those it M-A-Y? My, M- yeah, M-A-Y. My grandma introduced me to a lot of horror um, I never realized how much she she really loves horror, but she introduced me to a bunch, and one of her favorites was Carrie, and then this movie May that she had me watch as a kid, and I've written like songs about it, and it kind of falls into my obsession with like dolls. This this character, she is a very oddball character, and she's just looking to make friends. And she has to make a friend on her own. And that's all I'm going to say about it. Because I don't want to ruin okay. it. She just has to make her own friend. And um, I love I'm, I love movies like that. Just really kind of creepy, oddball character movies. 
Okay. And then over the top, like 80s gore with like boobs and. Yeah. Too much leather gloves. <laughs> right. <laughs> Random right. revolver. Uh, a movie that I that I only saw for the first time like a couple years ago that has has sort of become a staple is that that original Black Christmas that yes uh, I watched that on stream for Christmas oh it's it's so good I think I, I think the reason I never saw the original is because the remakes have now both times been horrible um, but uh, but yeah that original one is is uh, whew. it's 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 high and running for one of the best slasher movies, I think. Of, yes, you're actually so time. right. Because I, I love how that one is shot. I think that that one, I think that that one like shaped a lot of film too. Definitely. Oh, definitely. All right. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to let you go. This has been fun. Um, I, I can, we could probably talk horror all day and, and we can continue to do so on our own time and not punish people listening. But um. <laughs> Uh, I appreciate you being here and talking. This is uh, this is fun. It has been informative, and, and congratulations with everything with Foxy. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much. I had an amazing time. Hell yeah! I hope to see you maybe at some point this year if uh, if you come out to LA and yes. it's safe to grab a coffee. Yeah, I'll be back um, very very soon. Hell yeah! Awesome. All right. Well, you have yourself a wonderful day, Kayla. Thank you so much. You too, Jeremy. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe or follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you choose to listen. And if you can spare a moment to give us a rating and review on Apple, it helps the show gain more visibility and that can make all the difference. Thank you, and I'll see you again next week. Yeah.